going to be returning to our consideration of the book of Joshua tonight, Joshua chapter 7, a message I call a little leaven, verse 11. God said, Israel has sinned. Israel has sinned. And they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. They've even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they've also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. And God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. You know, when we're looking at Joshua, we were seeing how that God moved Israel into the promised land. And the promised land was uh, a description, a place where God had promised to bless them, uh, where the provisions of God would take care of them, where they would live their life then under God's blessedness, a promise of blessedness and under his success and favor. Uh, they've moved from miracle to miracle. The Jordan River cro uh, crossed before them. I mean, amazing things. The walls of Jericho fell before them. They have seen these incredible things happen. Um, but now we have this passage that I drew the title of from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That statement makes us a bit uncomfortable. In fact, this whole chapter has served to challenge the people of God, no doubt, since the time it was first written down. And after all these many years of serving as an example to God's people, it still makes us a bit uncomfortable. We can certainly concentrate on the failure of Achan and perhaps his family and the disastrous decision that he made. But twice, God describes a scene differently. Verse 1, the children of Israel committed a trespass. The children of Israel. Regarding the accursed things, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Verse 11, Israel has sinned. God said it very plainly. Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant. Israel have sinned. We'd be a whole lot more comfortable if we, that passage said some of Israel had sinned. Or one of Israel had sinned. Or part of them had sinned. But it doesn't. God's anger was kindled against Israel. Israel had sinned. Israel had violated his covenant. Israel would suffer a humiliating, terrible defeat on the heels of that incredible victory. Now, there's no doubt that Achan sinned. There's no doubt. Achan confessed it. He admitted it. And he spelled out the details very specifically in verse 21. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold, Weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent, the silver under it. 
And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and they laid them out before the Lord. It's not difficult for us to understand what happened. Uh, God commanded that all of the silver and gold in Jericho would be brought and placed in the treasury of the temple of the tabernacle at that time. And he made that very plain to them in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 19. Now, the reason for that is a simple principle. To the victor belong the spoils. To the victor belong the spoils. God is the one that won that victory. And so when it came to the silver and gold, he said all of that goes into the temple, all of that goes into the treasury of the tabernacle, every bit of it. You don't get any of it. You didn't win this battle. You didn't even fight it. I did. To the victor belong the spoils. The silver and gold were to go into the temple. The accursed thing that was taken was the Babylonian garment. It was supposed to have been burned like uh, all of the other things relating to the people of Jericho that had been worn by them and defiled by them. God said they were all to be burned, and he kept it. So in a way, he had violated two commandments. First, he had taken of the accursed things of Jericho that God said were to be destroyed, the Babylonian garment. And secondly, he had taken the gold and the silver, a part of it, that was dedicated to the Lord as a symbol of the totality of God's victory over them. He had sinned, just like God said, and violated the terms of his covenant. It was a twofold sin. <clears throat> Our text sin shows us that long before, though, the people of God knew that Achan had sinned. That sin was already spreading among them. And God's anger, in fact, was already kindled against them before they even knew it had happened. The sin was spreading. So tonight we're going to look at this story and see how it plays out because it gives to us a very, very important warning. We'll see it under a couple of headings. First of all, of course, there will be the spreading sin. Joshua, verse 2, sent men from Jericho to Ai. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel. And spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. Now after considering the first few chapters of this great book, the contrast between what was happening then and what is happening here uh, cannot be clearer. Before God was giving to them specific instructions of what to do, and Joshua was moving in accordance with those instructions. When Joshua set out to survey the battlefield and think about how they were doing, who came to him? The captain of the Lord's host. When Joshua saw him, he drew his sword, fell back, and said, Are you for us or against us? And that classic answer, I love it. I love getting to tell it again tonight. Are you for us or against us? And the captain said, nay, but as captain of the Lord's hosts I come. Yeah, see, God didn't come take sides. He came to take over. That great, great passage. I love it. But where's the captain? Where's the word from the Lord? Crickets. Yeah, just that. <clears throat> Silence. Nothing. Nothing. 
No marching orders, no word from the Lord, no appearance from Joshua's captain. Where are the people who would fall on their face before God and seek his instructions? Where are the ones who were saying, God, why aren't you telling us what to do? Where's the voice of wisdom and spirituality saying, we're not going to move until we get a word from the Lord? They're not there. Achan's sin, before they even knew it, Achan's sin has already spread. It's affected all of Israel, even Joshua, apparently. All of Israel had been bitten by the same bug. It's flu season. Some people get the flu and they end up in the hospital. Some people get the flu and they end up with pneumonia. Some people end up, get the flu and they end up in heaven or meeting the Lord. Some people get the flu and they barely miss a day's work. It's the same bug all the way around the world, all the way. But it affects people differently. It has a lot to do with uh, what uh, our own condition is, how healthy we are. And so while we can say that not all of Israel was stealing a, an accursed thing, a Babylonish garment that they couldn't wear and gold they couldn't spend, not all of Israel fell victim to the same degree that Achan did, but they all apparently were bitten by the same bug. And the bug is easy to define. Achan knew God was watching. Achan knew what God had said. Achan knew that God would know what they had done. He thought they could get away with it and go on. And that betrays a problem. A problem in thinking that the blessings of God, listen, the blessings of God are optional. It's good to have. But if we have to do without them, that's okay. We are an ingenious and resourceful people, and God's people have struggled with this over and over again. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. All the way back to Moses and that classic example when God asked him, what is that in your hand? And it was a rod, a shepherd's staff. Cast it, throw it down. And Moses, when it turned into a snake, did what most of us would do. He ran from it. Uh, God was teaching him a lesson. We think that it's our weaknesses, our, our, our failures, our are, are the areas where we struggle, we think that that is our greatest threat. It's not. It's our strengths and ability is our greatest threat because we tend to rely on them. And if God isn't moving, <laughs> uh, we start coming up with a plan. Hey, that's why the great preacher Vance Havner was fond of saying that the Holy Spirit could stop working in the average church in America today and they'd never know the difference. They'd never know the difference. Why? Because we are an ingenious people, and if the power of God goes away, we will find a way to keep things going. That's our nature. And we're not going to fall on our knees before God until he makes us. It's easy to get the bug, you see, that Achan had and that apparently all of Israel had with them. Because where before they were waiting on God and listening for God, and when they got his instructions, they followed them to a T, but now God's not speaking. 
but they've got a plan. All of Israel had sinned. That wasn't the end of Israel's sin. It gets worse. Uh, Verse 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel... And they put dust on their heads. This was after they had been defeated in that disastrous battle. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? That's when they run. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? What a prayer from the man of God. (laughs) God cut their prayer time short. (laughs) Verse 10, look at it. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Get up. Now I can't explain to you why God said that, but... uh, would seem to me rather obvious from the text that the reason God told them to get up, get off their face, stand up, because what they were saying wasn't really good. Uh, All they were doing was blaming God for everything that happened, whining about what was going on. They They weren't praying this whining, blaming it all on God. What they were saying was not productive. God said, stop, get up on your feet. The accursed thing may have been a Babylonish garment buried in Achan's tent. The sin of Achan that violated God's covenant may have been to take some credit for themselves for the victory. And that sin certainly was spreading throughout all of the people of Israel because God says it is over and over again, my people Israel have sinned. Because in their minds and hearts, somehow or another, they were beginning to take some of the credit for what God had done. Now here they are without God's blessings. God's not with them. And they're going to move on as if nothing was wrong, full confidence that things was going to be fine. That was the spreading sin. Then there's the serious sanctification. Verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were cursed. Neither will I be with you anymore. God said that. Except you destroy the accursed from among you, up sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. God says a couple of things. They had forfeited the presence of God. Now, We understand that God has said, I I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We understand God has promised his presence to his people in an unbroken way. But we also know that there's a sense in which God is among us to bless us. God is among us to uh, enable us, to strengthen us, to move us forward. And there are times when we can so behave ourselves that 
God's hand of blessing will be taken away from us. And so even though he's keeping that promise, he has not left us. He has not abandoned us. We're not going to die and go to hell. But it's possible for God to take his hand of blessing off of us. Do you understand that? The same God that builds that hedge of protection around us is the same God that can uproot us if he needs to. Not only then would they forfeit or had they lost the presence of God to help them, uh, they had also lost the power of God. They would not be able to stand before their enemies until they got rid of this accursed thing that had spread among them so seriously. And what they needed then was sanctification uh, because they all were infected with the same problem. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Though Achan and his family became uh, the tip of the sword, as it were, they all, they all had the same problem. They developed that casual attitude toward the blessings of God. When God's people are infected with that, it's a terrible malady. And God called them to deal with it. And they did. Achan and his family would pay a terrible price for it. God would name the place Achor, Achor, A-C-H-O-R, as in the valley of Achor. Remember they built a rock pile in the Jordan River where God made the water to stop. They built a rock pile in Gilgal so that everybody could see that. Even if one was covered up at flood stage, the other one was still there. This is a third rock pile they would build. And it was in the valley of Achor to remember the trouble built over the ashes of Achan and his family in a place where that man troubled Israel. Achan became Achor, a place of trouble. And that's a sad story, sad ending. But I want you to see Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15. God said, And I will give her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor, for, a, day of, for a, a, day of, a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came out of the land of Egypt. Aren't you glad tonight we serve the God who is able to turn the valley of trouble, the valley of Achor, into a door of hope? See, that's what happens when God's people get right with God. When they deal with their sins, they put that trouble behind them, they get rid of the accursed thing, and that accursed thing is treating the blessings of God as if they're optional. They're good to have, but if I make God angry, if I sin against Him, if I violate His covenant, if I live in a way that, that He displeases, uh, uh, He has displeasure in, then and I'll be okay. We'll still work out. It'll be fine. We treat the blessings of God option, as optional. And if we're doing that, there's only one thing to do, and that's to deal with it. Get rid of the accursed thing. And when we do, God can take that valley of trouble and make it a door of hope. It's living out then the principle of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, which says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But he whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> from time to time, people ask me those speculative questions about the Bible. What would have happened if Eve had sinned and Adam hadn't? I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that question. Don't know. You know, what would have happened if one of Noah's sons would have refused to get on the ark? I don't know. Would God have made him get on? I don't know. He died. What would happen to a third of humanity? I mean, we'd, we'd look kind of odd without... Speculative questions in the Bible uh, don't get us very far. But we have to wonder tonight, you know, what if Achan, when they realized that they'd been in defeat, had gone in there and dug that stuff up, come to Joshua in repentance, and said, I've sinned. I've sinned. What if before the, the terrible, terrible, battle just somebody understood you know God's not with us something's missing here and it's pretty important it's God and his blessings I know what's wrong I've sinned against God it's my fault brought it in you have to wonder would the story have ended the same way I can't answer that question but I can answer this question if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we've been treating the blessings of God as if they're optional we need to learn this lesson from Joshua chapter 7 tonight God put it out for us very plainly not just Achan's sin but Israel's sin, that spreading sin, if it has spread to our hearts tonight, God calls on us to get rid of it. Don't cover it up. Don't act like everything's okay. Let's bring it to God. He'll forgive us, cleanse us, and move us back to that glorious path of blessing. Stand together, please.